Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Welcome to Ready to Thrive. I am so excited to be sitting here with my friend, Jackie Smith-Bell. And just to give you a little bit of background, Jackie and I actually met online virtually in this COVID season. We first connected uh, in a Zoom conversation with a few different moms who all had a heart for moms, a heart to just bring a message of hope as we were really in the early stages of the COVID season. And so we got together and we all were on a... um, a panel for moms. We did it the weekend before Mother's Day. And as I first heard Jackie speak, I thought, wow, um, we're just meeting as a group of six women and she is on fire. She's preaching. And I, I'm deeply encouraged whenever I hear um, her speak, whenever I hear uh, just the words that God is bringing to her heart. And so I'm excited to chat with Jackie today. And I'm going to have her introduce herself Um, a little bit more where she is in the world, a little bit more about who she is, um, and we'll take off from there. So Jackie, welcome. Thank you for that warm welcome, Jacqueline. Listen, we have so much in common. We love the Lord and our names are the same almost. Yours is Jacqueline, mine is Jacqueline, but you can call me Jackie. I am a wife, a mom of three, a grandmom of three, which actually my grandkids call me Oma, which is German for grandma. And um, and I think I did say that I love the Lord, but most of all, I have a heart for serving women. Um, I actually have a Titus II approach for um, mothering mothers. Um, because I do believe that older women, according to Titus II, will teach the younger women. And I think so much of my time in my younger days of mothering, I spent moments believing that it would not get better. And because we know that we serve a good God who does his best work at all times, it's my job, I feel, to remind other women that um, through writing and speaking, encouraging mothers or women that they are God's best. Well, I love that. I know that you share your writing in various places. Um, you share your speaking in various places, um, as well as even just on Instagram. I love that this is social media gives us this platform where we can encourage women even virtually. And so, like I said at the beginning, you have encouraged me um, even virtually is, I think you and I are very similar in that we like to go for these walks and have these deep revelations uh, from God and share those with other people. And so I've been really encouraged with you um, that way, virtually. Um, I want to ask you a little bit more about... um, your background and your history. Two things that I find very fascinating. One is that you actually lived in Europe for a while. So where did you live in Europe? I lived in Southern Bavaria in Augsburg, Germany. 
um, which is what I deem as the south of, uh, of Europe. You know, it has a warmer climate. Um, so um, and whenever I say warmer, we say warm days would be in the low 50s or, uh, you know, high, um, early parts of the 60s. So that would be a warm day yeah. in Southern Bavaria. It's, it's, it's nestled um, there right beside Munich or München. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's a great place, um, a great place to live. So I, I actually graduated high school there wow. uh, and spent um, pretty much my latter teen years um, in Europe. And so it was a great place. That must have felt like an extreme difference because you grew up before then um, in Florida, right? So kind of in in the South, and then you moved to Europe. And then did you come back to the States after that? Um, I actually didn't come back to the States until um, in my early 20s. Um, I came back um, and joined the Army, actually. And then traveled back to Europe, um, you know, for my job in the military. That was like one of my, I think that was my second assignment. I went back to Europe. Yeah. Well, that's super cool. Because that was my second fun fact about you. I was like, you've been in the army. You've been like, grew in Europe, lived in Europe. Both of those things I find super interesting. And then um, where and when did you meet your husband? Well, actually, let's roll back the tape a little bit. My husband was my very first boyfriend. Um, Like I told you, I lived in, I grew up in Florida. My husband uh, actually lived about eight miles from where I lived. I lived in the country. He lived what was deemed the city. It was not that much larger than where I lived, but it had a few more stores and a few more traffic lights than we did, but it was deemed as the city. And um, so we grew up together pretty much so. And um, he was my very first boyfriend. Um, And so we had a relationship, we had a history. Um, But of course, as life would take you uh, in many different uh, facets, we broke up, you know, team love, you break up, but we dated for quite a few years. And I always knew, as a matter of fact, the first time that I met him, I I told my sister the first day that I saw him, I said, that's the guy that I'm going to marry. And um, who knew that um, the words we speak are actually listened to by God? Because, you know, fast forward the tape, I'm married to him and we've been married for 28 years. So... Yeah, that's how our lives actually intersected and joined back together later on in life, even after the, you know, the high school love, and all that life happens, and then we get back together. Wow. Well, as you were saying that, I was reminded that on my way to my very first Young Life event... Uh, I was driving there. My well, my leader was driving me there, and she said, "There's a guy there. I think you should date him. Actually, I think you should marry him," uh, which I don't think is typical young life leader protocol. But um, she was talking about one guy, but the event was actually hosted at my now husband's house. So I think in, there was some prophetic uh, in what she was saying there. Uh, well, I want to dive in. Um, 
you know, you are living in Savannah, Georgia. Um, you did grow up in the South and, um, we are living in this time where there has been all of this, um, racial unrest really come to the surface. And so, um, you know, the way I have seen it, I, you and I, we live, we were talking before we started recording, but how we live really in these opposite, um, parts of North America. And even as we were talking about experiencing COVID differently right now, um, there's other things that we are experiencing, including this, um, racial tension and everything that's going on. And the way I had seen it is that these, this was just an exposing, like this is an uncovering of things that were already happening. And, um, I just wanted to ask you a little bit about some of your story, um, your experiences with racism. Um, maybe you could help me understand a little bit more about what systemic racism even looks like. And, um, yeah, I don't know what you feel like you would want to share about that right now, or even how you're doing and how your feelings were recording this, um, in early July. Wow. I, I think that, um, that, that question in itself is, um, one that, um, is soul seeking and it's one that, um, as a African-American woman, I sit in every day. It's not like I have the opportunity to change seats with someone else that doesn't look like me. And the fact that I'm not afforded the right to change the seat, I think I have to understand this seat was given to me by God. Who I am, my color, um, it was, it was like a hand illustration of who God wanted me to be. And whenever I look at my other sisters who do not have the same pigment of me in my heart, I have to say, that's how God saw her. But how can I understand her and know that he loves her the same way that he loves me? He didn't make a bad choice. He made different choices. And so I think as Christians, when we're trying to understand another race, we have to remember God's choice. When we realize that his choices are the best choice, then we don't barter with who's better. And we don't um, try to uh, limit another person based on their looks. We do our best to show love and kindness according to his reflection. And I think in the days that have passed um, where we see racial unjust, um, this is something me as an African-American woman, I've lived with every day. Um, and we've seen it just through our history of civil rights and so on and so forth. These are things that somehow have made their way in our school's history books. Um, and every now and again, you might see it here and there. But because the world was brought to a standstill, it was in front of our face differently. Um, and, and so it really goes back to the word of God where, where it says, be still and know that I 
am God. I believe for the first time in history, the world um, by way of the pandemic was brought to a still so we could understand and know the power of God. Most of the time when our lives become so busy, we begin to think it's us that's causing the work that we do. Even when the work that we do is not necessarily good work. If it's the way that we believe and treat other people, um, sometimes if we're so busy, we don't stop long enough to say, maybe I'm not doing this right. Maybe this has gone on for too long. Maybe it's time for us to stop and look at it. Well, be still. The power of God, I don't believe he caused the pandemic to be in the world like it is, but I do know that he allowed it. And so because he allowed it, we were able to look at some things that we were overlooking because we were overwhelmed with life. And so what has happened now, the world has begun to see racial unjust. And um, I'm in a spot right now where um, I'm honoring the mindset of God because if I don't honor his mindset, I will look at the situation as a horrible place for my life right now. So I'm just honoring what he's allowing. And so as an African-American, um, you know, I, I hate that, and I, maybe I shouldn't say hate, but I don't like to say all the time who I am by color. Because if I always have to say who I am by color, then you are not conscious that I am a child of God. So if you want to say who I am, then say that I'm a, I'm, I'm a daughter of the king, just like you. I am who I am because of who he is. But if I always have to announce myself as a woman of color, then I have to actually convince you of who I am. And so I, I don't really like doing that um, too much. But as an African-American woman, I am aware uh, that racism has been around a long time. Uh, I actually shared on another friend's podcast that I saw it as early as first grade um, whenever I saw. And systemic racism is actually, um, it's, it's, it's by income. And it's by, um, it's really brought about by um, impoverished areas where you deem that these people don't need um, the basics to get by. It has to do uh, a lot with economic oppression, so on and so forth. But um, and education is a big weight on it. And so I saw it as early as in first grade when. Um, two African-American friends of mine, boys, smart guys, were taken out of the classroom because the teacher said that they would never be able to keep, keep up. And we'd only been there a day or so. You know, we were kids. We were really trying to find our feet, uh, let alone be uh, Einstein genius by the second or third day in school. But they were taken out of class. And um, 
you know, so I saw it as early as then, and it wasn't because they couldn't keep up. It was just that someone had qualified them unworthy to stay right. in the class because they were African-American. So I have a question for you, Jackie, because you have, I mean, you've lived such an, such an interesting life, um, being, having lived in different continents and cultures, um, and then also experiencing, like you said, like this, um, you've, you've grown up experiencing and like, you can't, it's not like you're taking a day off. Um, you have, um, racism and systemic racism and injustice. Um, and yet talking to you, you are still talking with this, um, mindset of hope. And like you said, taking the mindset of God, um, how is it that you, um, are able to, in light of feeling like these, you know, I think you and I have, have talked before in the sense of there have been seasons where it just feels weary, right? And it feels like, um, hopeless or frustrating. How do you continue to, um, I guess in some ways, keep your mind, keep that mindset of God. One of my most favorite scriptures to go to whenever I'm unsettled about a new thing that's going on with me. And whenever I say new thing, it could be just that icky feeling that nothing is right. Nothing is going right. What am I doing wrong? God, why don't you lead me to the right path? Or it's just a new endeavor that I'm trying to uh, move towards. And it just nothing seems right. Not my marriage, not my motherhood, not my money, whatever it is. But I always uh, look um, to a reminded scripture in Isaiah 43 and 19, where it says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now not perceive it. Anytime when life seems stale or old, I have to remember that God is doing a new thing. And I don't always recognize new things because my memory serves me on old things. But in order for me to get new things, I have to prepare my mind properly and I have to perceive it properly. So I always go to Isaiah 43 and 19 uh, in the places where my mind or even my faith is in a rut, you know, and life is just driving me crazy. My hope is garnered in that new thing, because even when we read scripture, it it tells us that brand new mercies are given to us every morning. How old would we be if we just said, no, Lord, I want to stay in to today because I'm comfortable. New things are comfortable. And that's when we lose hope because we're not sure of what this new thing is doing. So my hope is really garnered in the moment of what God has given me. And I have to really look at that for what it is, not for what I think it should be. So again, my, how I perceive it, you know, in this scripture of Isaiah 43, it says, do you not perceive it? What am I looking at? What am I preserving in my thought 
that needs to pass away because that's not God's thoughts. So I have to just really look at what am I preserving? What am I taking in that I don't need? God is doing a new thing. Let me realize his new dream. Yeah. Wow. Jackie, that was so good. I, um, as you were talking, I really had that image of, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, sort of formaldehyde preserving something and something we getting really old or stale and picturing that in my mind. And I think you are right in that we, every single one of us, regardless of our story and our circumstances, we actually hold on to, and we preserve sometimes either an old narrative or, um, a hurt or a wrong to us or something that, um, is hard because I think sometimes we, um, we, everyone goes through these things that are painful, right? We suffer loss and we suffer, um, hurt and things. And then we can hold on to that thing as a way of sort of holding onto our rights or protecting us that doesn't allow us to walk in God's freedom or even in that place of that renewed mind, um, which I think you're, you're talking about now, how do we, how do we balance that though with, um, especially in this case of racism, how do we balance the, I want to have God's mindset. I want to stay believing in hope. Um, but I also want to listen to stories of, um, injustice. I want to be informed. So how do we sort of balance those things? And maybe you've already answered that question, but is there anything else you would, um, want to share with people as we are in this current place in the summer of 2020? I think the first thing that I'd like to say is allow information to provide transformation. Because if we don't allow information to provide transformation, then we just gathered words that won't go with our living. Just to have words that someone speaks is just like a handful of stuff like we're used to stuff like you're used to information you're used to 24-hour news you're used to going on with life or even just trying to now the season that we're in trying to navigate through what is our new normal you've even become used to something that you weren't used to three months ago so we're used to changing and moving, but it doesn't matter if we're not really moving, if we aren't really transformed. So first of all, I think the information has to provide a pathway of transformation. And then we're at a point to where we can um, even look at pleasing God, you know, because when, and it's not that we have to work for his approval but we do have to learn and understand what he wants from us which goes uh, what is it Romans 12 and 2 where it says to renew your mind daily and you know and not conform to the ways of the world to conform is is actually choosing not to go in the way of the world and here I'm saying we have to allow God's word to transform us. Don't conform to that. Be transformed. 
And so when we're transformed by the word of God, the only way we get there is the renewal daily of deciding to look at what his word says and see how our life is a reflection of what his words were. And I think those are the things in these last days and even in my present and even in my future, these are the things that uh, are the threads that keep me hanging on. Um, I know that my life, your life, um, was not by mistake. It was something that he did. He took thought in. So because he took thought in making me, I have to take thought in the ways that I go about doing life. And the only way I get to do that is going back to him, getting understanding from his word, renewing my mind daily that, that decides how I move forward in life in this season. That's the only way I get to do it. Because this job of just being an individual, being a wife, being a mother, uh, being a friend, um, it's not easy. And uh, I don't know it all, but I serve a God who has all the answers. Well, Jackie, I love, this is, this is what I was saying when I love listening to you speak because um, you speak with a humility, um, but you also speak with wisdom as you were just sharing there. I thought this is what, I feel like it's James 3 where it talks about this heavenly wisdom. And um, it's not that you just woke up one day and you were like, I am so wise and know all these things. It's like, no, this is actually <laughs> what happens when we read the word. Um, that we do become transformed. Our mind is renewed through the word and not even, I think sometimes we, we do approach um, the Bible and we approach God sometimes with this drive-through mentality, this Amazon Prime, fast food, let me get my verse of the day. And, you know, if we eat fast food every day, we're going to feel like garbage. It's, it really is a feast that God is inviting us to all the time. And um, I think that is really where this transformation takes place. It's the lingering with God, chewing over things in his word and actually allowing it to change us. Really that as the word is planted in our hearts, it cannot help but begin to uproot some of those things that are there. And that's what I've noticed for myself in this journey over the last few years of really, really diving into the word um, for myself going on these walks, um, where I'm praying and I'm, I'm asking the question, search me, God, right? Uh, tell me what's going on inside of my heart. Um, I think for, um, for many people when, um, when all of the racial injustice, um, uh, began to come at the forefront, um, globally, I think that was a question a lot of people started asking. They started saying, am I racist? And, you know, I think for some people, the, you know, as they search, they either found, yes, there are parts of my heart that need to be healed and I need to address this. But I know for a lot of people as well, there was that question of, um, maybe I haven't been anti-racist. Like maybe I've allowed, um, injustice to go on in front of me and I have done nothing about it because it did not apply to me. Um, and I think that's part of this transformation as well is that as the word, um, dwells within you, as you're walking with Christ, you actually will be really bothered by 
lots of injustice around the world and injustice that's happening right in front of you. You actually won't be able to um, let those things go on. It will, it will begin to irritate you almost like you have a pebble in your shoe or something. You'll say, that's not okay. And you know, little old me, I can actually do something here about this very thing right in front of me, um, as well as begin to have my heart transformed. And, um, you know, one of the things I have, um, a, an audience on this podcast that is 50% Canadian and, um, and our cultures are different. The, um, Canadian culture, the North American culture, or sorry, the North America, we are a part of North America, um, the American culture. And one of the things is that often Canadians can be, um, viewed at as viewed at, I've somehow lost my words right now, but I'm going to keep going, um, as being a little bit quieter or polite or saying sorry a lot. And I actually think what happens is that our racism can come across the same way as well. And I heard um, a woman share about this, that it was almost subtle, right? The same way. And I began to think, you know, our, um, I think we do have our neighborhood that I live in. I'm very thankful. It is incredibly racially diverse. And um, you see people gathered in these racially diverse groups. Like it feels like a very healthy place to live. At the same time, there are, I am sure, and I know these underground sort of um, subtle racist things that are happening. And so I think for me, my hope as well was even in Canada, in, um, you know, all of the places we live that we would begin to view what God, what is going on in my heart? How am I viewing anyone around me who is different than me? What are the things that are in place? And I think, um, you know, as we, as we invite God in, as we spend time in his word, he begins to sort of uproot even those things that are, um, they're a little bit gross inside of us as a way to um, begin healing our heart and to confess and repent and be free of those things. Um, so I love what you just shared there. Is there more you'd want to kind of tack on at the end there? No, I, I think even just what you said, um, especially the part about um, how there is a subtle permission for you to overlook things. Um, and so isn't that how, and I hate to put this at the backdrop of your beautiful words, but isn't that how the enemy was in the Garden of Eden? What, what he proposed to Eve was a subtle recommendation um, based on what he knew she desired which was more of a likeness or more power over or, you know, something that was not her, but that she deemed to be good. And so it's those subtle things that we will often overlook. And it's a trap by the enemy to get us off track from our purpose of why we were designed. And so even with racism, though it may be subtle, it's something designed to get us off of the track in, of our purpose. And it causes a rift or a division that is a decided, it's a decided fact, um, factor by the enemy to keep you 
uh, down or oppressed or away from God's desires for you. And that's what racism is. It's, it's, it's though it may be subtle or it may be extreme, it's definitely a, a divisor from what God determined for your life. So whenever we do it, be it subtly or extreme, it's just not right. And we have to just come to ourselves and say, you know what, what can I do to change? And um, yes, we're looking at the world because we see it as, um, you know, another race of people, me, um, you know, I'm African-American, but we can say that it's about white people, but by the same difference, it's about African-American people too, because you can form a prejudice because other people are prejudiced against you. Let's just face it, you know, like, okay, mm -mm, I'm not dealing with her because uh, look, I already know what she thinks. And so it's like, you know, we have to work on ourselves, everybody, um, because it helps us not just live a life, it helps us live a healthier life. Uh, and, and that's what we really want is to have to grow well, which is something that I often say. I think if we don't, if we learn to grow well, then we will do well in the places that God is growing us. Because, hey, listen, let's face it, growing pains hurt. But this is something that we have to do to stretch to the place where God is leading us. And a lot of that is mature work. It's growing. It's just like your children. They, they go through stages of growth. You grow through stages, even as an adult. We're all growing in this season because we've never seen it before. We're actually all at the same place right now. We're new learners. You know, no one knows what they're doing right now. We're all new learners. And so we have to show grace. We do. Yeah, yeah I agree. And I, I do with the, agree with what you said in terms of um, that idea of growing up and maturing. And um, I really think that that can't be done without being in the word, right? We read about how it talks about, um, you know, having having spiritual milk or meat, right? That idea of how do you dive into something a little bit more. And I remember for my husband, um, he was taking a, a master's class in theology and the prof a few years ago, he was probably 20, 25 years older than my husband. And um, my husband looked at him and said, that is who I want to be in 20, 25 years. But he realized if I want to be that, I actually have to change today's habits, right? Like I need to be in the word every day. I need to be doing these things. And for him, he had been, um, he works in full-time ministry. He, he's always in the word. But um, as I was sharing with you earlier there, and I think this was before we started recording, there is this idea where you can be um, in the word for teaching other people, right? You can be in the word for um gathering what you need instead of actually being transformed. And so for him, that was a big transforming change. Just, um, what does it look like to be maturing? And so I often tell this story about how there was a moment a few weeks after he began that where I had, he assumes I had done something where I left some garbage, garbage cans in the way of the driveway or something. And he drove up and he immediately thought, Oh, Jacqueline's out to ruin my day. 
And then he had this moment in his mind that said, what if, what if she didn't, what if, um, they just happened to be there or she's not trying to, trying to wreck your day. And he realized, oh, I'm actually attributing that to the renewing of my mind. And it doesn't say anywhere in scripture, anything about your wife putting out garbage cans, but it was that he was able to actually really think clearly about somebody else. And I think that when we are transformed by the word, we think more clearly about ourselves, about other people and about God. And it is that, um, from that mature place, um, I think that, you know, God is able to, in many ways, I would say, um, take us to other places in our life, right? Almost cross over into these promised land areas of our life where we, otherwise we could be those people who are wandering in the desert, um, asking to go back to Egypt because it was better back there or just complaining and grumbling. And so even as we, before we began uh, recording, you were telling me about some plans you had, um, get canceled for vacation. And rather than sit here and complain, you were saying, you know, just like, um, the Egyptians as they were kind of getting ready, um, to go and just sort of walking with God and being prepared to leave some of the plans that you have. And, um, I think that is part of that maturing is saying, okay, in each of these moments in my life, God, what are you doing? How do I keep going to your word? Um, Jackie, for you, um, when you are in seasons like this podcast is called ready to thrive, what, um, what do you do when you find yourself in a survival season? Like when you feel like, Hey, I'm, I feel like I'm just sort of surviving my life right now. You know, I, I hate, um, and I'm using hate too much. I think that's probably the third time I've said it, but I dislike, um, to be viewed as this Pollyanna Christian, because I do have moments where everything don't seem to have purpose and I don't like it. And life is not pretty. And I do cry, I do cry for a long time. And I do say, God, what are you doing? But after I gained myself uh, and I realized that I'm still here, I know that it's not by mistake, but there is a message. Sometimes I think we look at the mistakes that life has handed us or the mess that we're going through. I think we miss the message because there is nothing in our life that is wasted, nor has it caught God by surprise. So even though I'm going through all of these changes like normal people do, <laughs> even though I may sound like a Pollyanna Christian, I, I do have moments. But I, I was just thinking, even when you were talking about your husband and saying what he had to look at and then the transformative part of what God was doing in his life, I think what what's the glue that holds me together is that same look, I have a vision for victory. And when you have a vision for victory, you realize you can't lose, but the only way you can win is, long, is leaning on God. And so that's what I do uh, in the hard times, whenever I don't know what's happening. Um, you know, after I've gone through all those crazy things that we all do, I say, God, I'm still here. Help me. 
I, I'm vulnerable to God because I have vision to my victory. Um, I open myself up to him. Um, I expose myself to him because if I don't expose myself to God, it's like I'm saying he doesn't know who I am. And I think even before COVID, I walked around for so long with a mask because I work in ministry, um, because I speak to droves of women all the time in my mom-to-mom -mom sessions on a, a monthly basis and I'm trying to help them and guide them. But I'm having moments to where I'm trying to get through it myself and I've become a poster child um, that God's promises are true. And, but they don't always have to be perfect. See, that's just it. We pull ourselves out of the game because we, we don't look perfect. But the main thing about playing or the main thing about going on this journey in life is not that it's perfect, but God has promises because he's a perfect God. He never said we had to be perfect. He just said we had to trust him and trust that his plans were per perfect. And so I, I think for, for the most part is remembering even when life uh, is not lining up the way you want it to right now, just remember that God hasn't forgotten and he wants to develop a vision for victory so you can move forward and walk in the fullness of his love and kindness. Jackie, I love that. I, um, I think it's very easy, easy at all times, but especially now in, in an Instagram world to have an idea that other people don't struggle or other people don't, um, have hard days or heavy days. And, um, you know, it's not that we necessarily run to Instagram and say, I've, I've spent today feeling like the world is ending, you know, um, but being open to say, Hey, I struggle too. And I think, um, I really value that when people are able to share that with me, cause I know that that is the case for me. Um, I think so many days feel like a hard fought battle. And part of what I love being able to do, I think in this space, um, is be able to help equip women for the battle that we are going through and be able to say, Hey, it's not like I'm, I'm not over here fighting. I'm just, um, I have days where I say, I feel like throwing in the towel. I feel like crawling back into bed. And, you know, sometimes I do. Um, but I, I get into the word I put on the worship. I, I rise up with him. And like you said, I have this plan, this vision for victory. And, um, so I really appreciate that. There was something else I was going to say, and now I've totally, um, you know, <laughs> wasn't meant to be something about the battle. Um, oh, I think just even this idea that, um, you know, we don't ever really, we don't arrive somewhere, at least not on this side of heaven. Like we're not, um, you know, this, this world is broken. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, yeah, the world, the world we're living in it, it, we are going to continue to have difficult circumstances. And one of the things you shared reminded me that, um, I think the enemy often wants to disqualify us or at least tell us that we're disqualified. And I know um, a while back I was writing for this, um, online, uh, publication for moms called mom mentor. 
And as I started writing for them, you know, I'd have these times where I'm frustrated with the kids or something isn't going well. And I thought, oh, well, I can't, I can't write to encourage other moms because I'm not a perfect mom. And it was a great experience to go through um, in the sense that I had to identify where the enemy was trying to have me disqualify myself. And I think we do that sometimes where we say, hey, this isn't as good enough as this person. I'm not perfect over here. I don't have everything together perfectly in a row. How can I, if I'm not this example of perfection, how can I possibly, you know, encourage other women in this way? I, if I have these doubts, how can I possibly share about this? And so, um, I think being able to identify ways in which, like you said earlier, that idea that the enemy is subtle, right? And he, um, we, in John 10, 10, where it says he's coming to steal, kill and destroy. And that word destroy in the um, Greek is apollomy. And one of my favorite definitions is render useless. And so if I think about myself lying in bed, um, because I am comparing myself to somebody else, because I am feeling discouraged or um, doubting, you know, that's, I have to remember, okay, is the enemy trying to um, destroy me? Is he trying to render me useless? And in some ways, when we identify that and we I realize, like it talks about in Ephesians, our, um, our fight is not against flesh and blood, right? We have this spiritual enemy and we remember who our enemy is. Um, I think that really does help us in this entire conversation go, oh, okay. Like my enemy isn't my kids. It's not my spouse. It's not a neighbor. It's not any of those things. I have a real enemy and I need to remember that's, that is who the battle is against. And I fight him with my word. I fight him with my worship. You know, all of those things that, um, I don't necessarily often feel like doing, but that that's the battle. Like that is how I'm fighting this battle. Um, and I know you are doing that as well as you get out and you go for your jogs and you are encouraging women with your words and you're speaking life and truth over yourself and over other people. Um, is there anything else you would share practically? I think we'll just wrap up with this question. Um, anything practically that you do in your life, um, that really helps you keep a healthy mind, um, as you, you know, we're, we're still in this hard season. We're in a hard season of, of COVID. We don't know when this is going to end. What are practical things that you do, um, to keep your mind healthy? I know, I know this may sound simple and I even paused before I said it, but I forgive myself daily. I forgive myself daily because I can borrow all of my mistakes from yesterday and not live in the day that God has given me. And so if I, if I do that, then I have wasted a day that I didn't have yesterday. So I forgive myself daily. And, um, I, I, I speak to fear and I tell it to back down and bow down. Um, because when we allow it to, to have room in our lives, we, we eventually begin to show up as our lesser selves. And I, you know, that's just what fear does. And even comparison, it, it, it begs you to make it big in your life. And so those are the things that I do because in doing that, I feel like it's just important that we actually go to the God's word and 
um, read his response about who we are. You know, when we get in all, uh, when we fall in all of those traps, I love to go to Psalm 139, where it says that he thought of me and then he made me. He knitted me together in my mother's womb. And then he says so many things and it says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. And so I forgive myself daily because God didn't make junk. He made me, he made you. And so as long as we forgive ourselves, we have to remember that he forgave us before he made us. And then he sent his son to pronounce forgiveness. And that's why we can forgive ourselves. And so we just have to treat ourselves right, treat other people right. I think the reason why we have a hard time at our motherhood and how we're doing as a mom or our wife job is because we haven't forgiven ourselves for not doing everything right and we're trying to make other people do it right. But forgive yourself daily. That's the best thing to do because God already has. Well, Jackie, that is such a great place to end. And I think, um, this is one of those conversations I hope uh, people even have either taken notes with or maybe need to go listen to a second time because you have so many, um, so many wise words, some truth bombs that you've been dropping along the way. Um, I've been encouraged in this conversation. I know other people will want to find you after this. Where can they get in touch with you? Well, they can get in touch with me by my name. I'm on Instagram at Jackie Smith Bell. I'm on Facebook. Jackie Smith Bell. I'm on YouTube, Jackie Smith Bell. And my website is www.jackiesmithbell.com. So there you have it. If you know my name, you can find me. (laughs) You can find me. I love it. Well, I know people will. Jackie, thank you for being here. Thank you for having this conversation. Um, I have been blessed Uh, by the words that you speak and I know others will be from today as well so thank you thanks so much for listening today I really am so encouraged knowing how many of you are being encouraged by this message and if you have found it helpful would you mind just sharing it with a friend leaving five stars or even a review wherever you listen to podcasts podcasts keeping it super professional um if you want to connect more with me, head over to Instagram where I'm at Jacqueline.Widener. Or if you want some free resources, head over to my website at JacquelineWidener.com.